It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Congress is back. Welcome to the lame duck session, and it looks to be a busy one. Government funding is the most important unfinished priority as the lawmakers face a December 16th deadline. The defense authorization bill, Ukraine aid, same-sex marriage, electoral college reform, and dealing with the debt limit all will be debated over the closing weeks of the 117th Congress. All the more reason why I'm still angry that my former representative here in Florida's 23rd District, Ted Deutsch, abandoned his post before the end of the term to start work on his new job. I think that's reprehensible when the margin is so slight. It was a nail-biter of a weekend as vote counts trickled in. On Saturday night, with the Senate race in Nevada called for the incumbent Democrat Catherine Cortez Masto, the Democrats once again secured control of the Senate. There are actually two races left to be decided. In Georgia, incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker head to a runoff on December 6th. A Warnock victory would make the count 51 to 49, helping to make the obstructive Manchinima duo a little less relevant. And counting also continues in Alaska, although the final two candidates, incumbent Senator Lisa Murkowski and challenger Kelly Chewbacca, are both Republicans. Attention now turns to the House, where, as of early Monday morning, Republicans have secured 212 seats, Democrats 204, though those numbers vary depending on which news outlet you're quoting. What doesn't change is the number 218. That's what's needed for a majority. Republicans are still favored to win, but the possibility of the Democrats pulling it out are not impossible. Most of the races still to be called are in California. And we're still awaiting the call on the Arizona governor's race, where, with 98% of the vote in, the Democrat, Katie Hobbs, remains in the lead with 50.5% to Republican Carrie Lake's 49.5%. Only 26,011 votes out of a total of 2,297,279 votes counted so far, separating them. Stay tuned. A lot of history was made in this election, including this. For the first time since 1934, the party in control of the White House retained all of its state legislative majorities in a midterm election and will likely even be the first to add a governor's seat or two. And one of my favorite outcomes of this cycle, in Washington's 3rd Congressional District, the Democrat Marie Glusenkamp-Perez beat the Republican Joe Kent 50.5 to 49%. This after the defeat in the primary by Joe Kent of incumbent Jamie Herrera-Butler. She was one of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. Republicans have held this seat since 2011, but voters opted for the Democrat over the Republican who ousted Jamie Herrera Butler. In non-election news, the campus of the University of Virginia and all of Charlottesville is in lockdown Monday morning after a gunman killed three people and wounded two others in a garage on the school's main campus. UVA police were searching for a suspect they've identified as a student, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., who's listed on the university's athletic website as a football player in 2018. I'm only giving his name because the man is still on the loose and is considered armed and dangerous. Classes today have been canceled. 
In a related story, a memorial to the 21st graders and six educators killed in the Sandy Hook school shooting 10 years ago next month officially opened on Sunday in Newtown, Connecticut. The five-acre site includes a path from the small parking lot leading down a hill to a water feature with a sycamore tree on an island. The names of the 26 who were killed are engraved on a stone wall supporting the pool. The old school was torn down, but the new one is visible from the memorial. Well, the former guy is reportedly in meltdown mode after much of the blame for his party's huge losses in the midterms are landing right at his feet. On top of that, the New York Times is reporting that while in office, Trump repeatedly told John Kelly, his then chief of staff, that he wanted a number of his perceived political enemies to be investigated by the IRS. Kelly was chief of staff from July of 2017 through the end of 2018, and he said in response to questions from the New York Times that Trump's demands were part of a broader pattern of him trying to use the Justice Department and his authority as president against people who had been critical of him, including seeking to revoke the security clearances of top former intelligence officials. Kelly said that among those Trump said, quote, we ought to investigate and get the IRS on were former FBI director James Comey and his deputy Andrew McCabe. And indeed, both of them were subject to highly invasive IRS audits after Kelly's departure. Also, today is the day that Donald Trump was to appear for a deposition by the 1-6 committee. Instead, his attorneys filed another lawsuit to avoid cooperating. And in a sign of hubris or just plain delusion, reports say that the former president will continue with his planned announcement Tuesday from Mar-a-Lago in Florida. He has previously hinted that he would launch a 2024 presidential campaign during that event. Well, the Biden administration is no longer accepting applications for student loan forgiveness after a second federal court shut down the program. About 26 million people have already applied out of an estimated 40 million who qualify and 16 million applications had already been approved. But none of the relief has gone out because of these court rulings. The issue is likely to end up in front of the Supreme Court. Turning to Ukraine. Since the Russian invasion back in February, Kherson was the only regional capital they'd been able to capture. Well, Russian forces have withdrawn. And on Sunday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said that the Russians committed war crimes before they fled the city last week. In fact, investigators have already documented more than 400 Russian war crimes. Bodies of dead civilians and servicemen have been found. Ukrainian forces swept into the city over the weekend and were greeted by cheering residents. Most homes there remain without power and water service, but utility companies in the region were working on restoring electricity and other infrastructure damaged or mined by the retreating Russian troops. Meanwhile, President Zelensky went to liberated Kyrgyzstan today and attended the restoration of the Ukrainian flag. President Biden this morning met with Chinese leader Xi Jinping for the first in-person encounter since he took office. The U.S. and China disagree with each other on about just about every major issue from Taiwan to the war in Ukraine to North Korea to technology to just about everything. According to a U.S. official, the main objective of this meeting was not about reaching agreements, but about gaining a better understanding of each other's priorities. Okay. 
Among the many problems Elon Musk is now facing is one brewing over his compensation package as the CEO of Tesla. It's the largest for anyone on earth from a publicly traded company. So he's headed to court this week to defend his huge pay package as questions continue to mount. Meanwhile, Elon Musk also faces another busy week as the new owner of Twitter, where a lot of chaos has brought one of the world's most influential social networks close to the brink. The future of Twitter does really hang in the balance. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that donate button.